Photo op may show unity for Tennessee Republicans and Democrats get ready to pivot in the general election. This is Grand Divisions, a Tennessean politics and policy podcast, the week of August 6th. I'm Dave Boucher, investigative reporter. And I'm Joel Ebert, political reporter. Still recovering from the Thursday night primary, there's been a ton of analysis as to how Bill Lee was able to win and what the campaigns look like moving forward. Uh, Joel was lucky enough to attend a unity, quote unquote, rally over the weekend for Republicans. Joel, what came out of that event? Essentially, it was Saturday morning. Uh, You had everybody from the governor to uh, both Senator Lamar Alexander and Bob Corker, Marsha Blackburn, who, of course, is running for Corker's seat, uh, as well as all the four gubernatorial primary candidates, including Bill Lee, who is now the nominee uh, for governor. Uh, We also had Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. Essentially, they all stood up in front of uh, the press, Uh, invited us for this, quote, press conference. Several of them gave speeches, with the exception being uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally and the three gubernatorial primary candidates who lost. Uh, We were thinking, uh, as part of the press, that we'd either get a chance to ask questions, given that it was dubbed a press conference, or at least talk to the candidates that lost afterwards. But when a couple of reporters, uh, we tried to either chase down candidates, they ran away or just altogether quickly disappeared. So the unity was more than a a little more than just a photo op, it appeared. Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, they did show up. That's 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 got to be pretty tough. People gave them credit for, you know, they've been running the heart and soul has been in this for at least a couple of years, if not, you know, unofficially for for much longer before that. But, you know, if you're trying to show unity. It does help to like. So you like the guy when you're standing there with him, right? Well, and the frustrating part, I think, was some people in that that group, you know, some Republicans thought there were going to be questions. I heard at one point that even the governor questioned aloud, aren't the press going to get to answer questions? And he was told no. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of confusing. It seems like, again, uh, you're, the headline is going to become then faux unity or something like that uh, if you're afraid, in a way, to answer tough questions. Billy joined us after the unity event. Here's what he had to say in a quick one-on-one interview. How do you transition into a general election? You know, I I think it's very much of what we've been doing. We are, like I said, we're going to get back on the RV and start the 95 county tour again. Maria and I will hit every county and every community and speak to folks along the way and continue to share the same message that got us where we are today. And I think that we'll us there in November. Why do you think you won? I mean, is this because your message came through with people? I do. I think the message came through. I think that people in particular uh, want someone from the outside. I think that's the time for that is now. And that combined with our message was something that resonated with people all across the state. Do you see your opponent as somebody who's an insider? I mean, you you face candidates with decades of experience in government. Uh, What about Carl Dean? Do you think he's... Well, he certainly has been uh, in government, a part of government, and been a public servant for many years. And so I'll be the outsider. Some people say, though, as an outsider, they get a little nervous. You know, you're going to come in and not know what you're doing on the first day. You admitted this morning you're going to turn to Randy McNally and say, yeah, I need I need help. Certainly. What do you say about that, you know, the on-the-job training that it's going to require as an outsider? You know, I think that there's real strength to coming from the outside um, to not have some of the 
relationships, long relationships with people that influence you when you go into government. And I don't have those. And that's a fresh place for me to be coming. But the other thing is, this is the executive branch of government. And I do have a life of executive leadership. And I think it's critically important that the governor be an executive leader. And, and that's the most important kind of experience, I believe, for this office. One tough question for you. Um, in the past, you've said that you didn't want to release your tax returns. Do you still plan on sticking with that position now? Yeah, I do. I have a public company, and releasing those returns would mean releasing information about other people. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel free to do that. Meanwhile, Democratic nominee Carl Dean is already pivoting here to the the general. He's talked about, uh, you know, in his accepted speech, how he's a pragmatic guy who's willing to uh, listen to to any ideas, regardless of where they're coming from. Uh, We also had a chance to chat with him on Monday afternoon. Well, uh, we'll just kick it right off the bat. So uh, first off, Mayor Dean, um, you know, why do you think you won? What what was your message and why do you think it resonated in the Democratic primary? Well, I think the, you know, the message of pragmatism and appealing across party lines, I think, is a, is a right message for this year. Um, I think voters want somebody who's going to focus on getting things done, who's less concerned about party lines and is more concerned about actually moving the state forward. And then I think the emphasis on the issues of education, health care and economic opportunity were the right emphasis. How do you pivot to a general election? You know, obviously you're not running against a Democrat now. You're running against a, a known Republican. Um, how do you move forward and does your campaign change in, in some sense? Well, I think, you know, the issues remain the same and sort of what I'm, I'm saying is going to remain the same. But, you know, so I think now you emphasize, you know, the experiences I've had serving, I've been in public life uh, most of my um most of my career and has certainly had a lot of experience on the local level as a mayor of a major city and law director and as a public defender. Um, And you talk about your experiences and you talk about your vision for the state. And I think my vision for the state, which is one where we make the right investments in education, where we work hard to create uh, new jobs working with the private sector and where we uh, make sure that Tennesseans have access to health care. Um, are the right messages that we'll, we'll continue to talk about. I think those are the messages that really distinguish me at, uh, as a candidate uh, from my opponent. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Your opponent is somebody who is, uh, you know, trying to tout himself as an outsider, somebody with no government experience. Does that concern you, uh, you know, that your opponent literally would be learning on the job? And, and how does that differ from you? Well, I mean, you know, I think everything's, uh, you know, in politics is all about what you, the way you sell things. I mean, he's selling himself as an outsider, but the, you know, the flip side to that is what you just mentioned is lack of experience, lack of uh, any experience running a large government. Um, and I think what people want is effectiveness. They want to, they want a governor who's going to move the state forward and be able to deliver on things. And, you know, I think we've witnessed uh, different scenarios at different points around the country where you've had uh, people with no experience or a uh, little background come in and, and struggle. And I don't think the state wants to struggle. In terms of sort of on the job training, you obviously you're going to need to rely on some folks that have been in state government or at least the Bill Lee administration would uh, for yourself. I mean, do you look at your your time as uh, mayor of Nashville as, as this is the preeminent thing that helps me, uh, you know, decide what I want to do as governor? Or do you think your other life experiences are just as weighty? 
I think they're just as weighty. I mean, you know, I do think, um, you know, for instance, you know, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but I spent, you know, 16 years as a public defender, head of the office for nine of them. And, you know, the experience I had working with people in poverty, the experience I had working with people with drug addiction and alcoholism and mental illness uh, is something that has uh, really framed my outlook on, on public life. I mean, I certainly understand that there are people who are disadvantaged. There are people who have been dealt a different set of cards. And, and we've got to work together to try to move everybody forward. And, and I'm, I'm very concerned about things such as the opioid crisis in dealing with drugs in our society. And I think that that experience is unique. That, that, that was really one of my most unique experiences I've had as, com- as compared to other politicians. Of course, we're going to explore the differences between you and, and Bill Lee a lot more in depth over the coming weeks and months. One of the things that I you know quickly uh, notice a difference is your decision to early on in your campaign uh, fulfill our request to release your tax returns. Bill Lee did not. Um, he essentially says you know that that's a private matter because uh, I'm, I'm a businessman and that would divulge too much information. Uh, are you concerned that he isn't releasing them and? And do you do you think that uh, that's something Tennessee voters should be worried about? Well, I don't know if they. I guess I'll leave that for Mr. Lee to explain and to and to sort of justify. I, you know, I think people approach things differently here. You know, obviously, no, everybody likes privacy. Everybody wants to keep uh, a certain sphere of privacy around them. But certain things you give up when you enter the public. Uh, uh, debate and when you become a candidate for a major office like governor. And people want to know whether there are conflicts. People want to know um, exactly uh, what your sources of income are. And so, you know, maybe there's other ways for him to look to fulfilling that uh, need from the public, but I'll leave that to him. And just the last question for you. In general, it seems that both of you plan on running a positive campaign. Uh, do you think that that's going to play out outside of uh, just the U2 candidates? I anticipate at some point there's going to be a national group that weighs in and, and really gets kind of nasty. How, do, how, do you, how would you respond to that? Well, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, on the night of the, uh, of the primary, um, there were a national group weighing in. And I would say on both candidates that were not, you know, that were a little critical of me and uh, of him. I mean, uh, we can control what we can control. Um, you know, I got to know Mr. Lee better during the course of this campaign. I, I knew him before. Um, uh, I, I like him. We, I think we get along, you know, and my goal would be for us to actually, I would love to see us be able to go out around the state to go to the different town squares and small towns and actually have a debate, a discussion about the big issues. I would love to see us not only um, go to, to small towns and rural areas, but go to go to churches and go to places in urban areas and have these discussions. I mean, I think we, we get along well enough, and I think we could have a civilized discussion, and that would benefit the entire state. And, you know, it would lower the cost of this campaign for both of us, which would be an outstanding thing, and it would open it up. It would make it more transparent. It would bring more people in. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that we can have lots of dialogues together, lots of debates, lots of discussion, and then do it in forums where that are open better to him and forums that may be more supportive of me, but do it everywhere in the state and, 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 just, and just put it all out for people to see. 
Over the weekend, Dave and Joey Garrison, our Metro reporter here, joined forces and wrote a story about uh, essentially a look ahead, what the Bill Lee versus Carl Dean campaign will look like. Uh, first off, thanks for, for joining us, Joey. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, just give us a little recap. What For those that didn't see the story, uh, what did you find? Well, you know, heading into this race, I mean, I think obviously Bill Lee is the favorite in this race. Uh, he's he's running in what's considered a, a red, largely conservative state that hasn't elected a Democrat since 2006. And I think, you know, going into a Carl Dean, most people, uh, you know, believe that his campaign would have much rather preferred uh, Diane Black. I mean, that was sort of the dream opponent, I think, of them. It, you would have had Black on the top of the ticket and Marsha Blackburn on the ticket, Top on the Senate side, who's already in a tight race with Bredesen. So I think that would have allowed the Dean camp to sort of flush out uh, differences. Instead, they have uh, Lee, who, who doesn't have a uh, you know real record uh, where he might have picked up some negatives. He's been pushing his personal story. He's got the uh, uh, evangelical appeal uh, to those voters as well as a business appeal. So he's going to be a tough opponent for Dean. Yeah, I think the reason that they wanted to run against Diane Black is, as Joey said, not only does she have this record, but she was making some of these what you could call a far-right policy positions, like kind of hallmarks of her campaign. We've talked about the kneeling. We've talked about immigration. Uh, That being said, Bill Lee's stances, it appears on at least some of these, aren't that different from Diane Black, if you go to look at his website, you know he's he's a, a supporter. It looks like of, a, of what they call bathroom bill policy. So this idea that you have to go use the bathroom of the gender that is on your birth certificate, which is a controversial bill here in Tennessee. Um, it also appears as though he's in favor of arming teachers, which is not a popular opinion among Republicans, let alone among among Tennesseans. But when you hear him speak at his acceptance speech and at the unity rally, he's not talking about that. He's talking about criminal justice reform and he's talking about uh, bringing jobs to rural Tennessee. He said a couple times that he's really thanked Haslam. He said Haslam has done a really good job and that he wants Tennessee is good and he wants to take Tennessee uh, to a, a place where it's great. So I think that it's really funny. It seems like a pivot almost immediately. So now he's suddenly trying to be Haslam 2.0 when there was a lot of flack on Randy Boyd for, for even before he ran of trying to be too close to Haslam well, 2.0. And it, and it makes it a hard race for Carl Dean. So you have Dean here for the last year who's been positioning himself much like Phil Bredesen, sort of a, uh, you know, he calls himself a pragmatic Democrat, results-oriented, not an ideologue. Okay, that that's great. Now, that works really well against a hardline conservative like Diane Black, but it's really, it gets a little more complicated when it's Bill Lee, who's quite quite frankly has, uh, you know, I think if we were to look at his favorabilities right now, they're probably pretty strong. His negatives aren't too high like they would be with Diane Black. Because there's a lot less yeah. uh, record for him. Yeah, I'm and sure. he just, again, as you pointed out in your story, uh, stories over the weekend, he wasn't hit by a lot of these negative ads. Sure, he had the, oh, he's contributed 250 to Dean. But, you know, he didn't get all these negative attacks from this from the primary fight like you had going against Black and like you had against Randy Boyd. So he's kind of not been dinged too much. Uh, and now he gets he's facing Carl Dean. That's got to be, I mean, I think anyone would say, yeah, this is a competitive race, but you definitely have to right now give the, the edge to, to, to Lee heading into it. I think another thing that plays into this is, uh, as I was talking to Billy at the, the unity rally that they had over the weekend, he immediately cast uh, Dean as kind of an insider, right? That he's got this state government experience and almost saying that that's like a negative thing. Uh, Lee admits while he'll be new on the job, it's it's okay to have on-the-job training because yeah, you'll surround race. yourself. Yeah, so it, it's going to be outsider versus insider, I think. Yeah, Dean, last 30 years of his life, you know, working in metro government, starting from public defender, metro law director, mayor, 
versus Bill Lee, who, you know, is pushing that, you know, I'm a businessman uh, appeal there. Well, and that's, that's, in theory, that could be Bill Lee's greatest weakness, right? That he doesn't, he's never been in, in, in a state government position at all. He hasn't been in an executive leadership position at all. He hasn't had to work with the legislature in front of everybody else trying to balance a budget. Hasn't had to hire commissioners, which clearly can, you know, be a rocky road. For oh, some. absolutely. Absolutely. And, but obviously he's trying to turn that into his own strength, right? That he's the outsider guy, that Carl Dean's the insider guy, which is really funny. I mean, it's really hard to be an insider in democratic politics in Tennessee, <laughs> like an insider at the city level, <laughs> Yeah, a which little is bit is. different. Different than the insider at the state level. I think it's not going to be a surprise because the Democratic Party's already done this for them to note that Billy has no government experience. And if you want somebody, if you want continuity in the state, you want to stick with somebody who actually knows how to be an executive and has has been an executive. Yeah, and I think I've seen the phrase three times now, uh, twice in our story, uh, where the phrase proven experience has been touted by Juan Mancini to uh, Charles Robert Boone, Nashville attorney, who's the finance chairman for. Uh, uh, for Dean and I think the the Dean campaign themselves on various e- uh, uh, fundraising emails. So and that's going to be sort of it's it's a delicate balance though because again we're living in a in a political climate right now where it's not great to be part of the establishment and that trickles down from from all the way to local to state races and so it's going to be a hard line to to walk for Carl Dean. Well, and I certainly think uh, as you look at you know uh, Lee came as the outsider on the Republican side that may not fare as well in a general election race, but maybe it will. I mean, you saw a, a race like uh, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, she took down a, a longtime incumbent of uh, running as kind of the outsider insurgent. So we'll certainly keep an eye on how uh, things play out in the, the general. What do you guys think about the, the idea of uh, negative attacks? I mean, both candidates seemingly say we're not going to go negative, but at a certain point, you're going to have an outside interest group that has nothing to do with either campaign on paper. Uh, say Carl Dean is is, you know, X and, and Bill Lee is Y. How do they respond to that? Oh, that's totally going to happen. It's kind of already happening with the parties, right? The yeah, Tennessee the Republican themselves. Party, the Tennessee Democratic Party, they're both going to both going to attack. And and you can be the nice guy as, as Carl Dean or as Bill Lee. But if there's a ton of outside money coming in, which there absolutely will be, then, of course, there are going to be attacks. And yeah. we anticipate there's going to be a ton of attacks in the Senate race. Right. So all of it could get tied together pretty quickly. Yeah, it's going to come. And I, I still quite don't know how the Dean campaign is going to attack Billy. They have to be really delicate about that because if you pick one of these social so, uh, social issues, that might work well with with the base there. But he's got to be reaching out for larger than uh, Democrats in this. Now, Dean has a long track record of of, of uh, uh, you know defending and promoting social uh, you know issues as Nashville mayor. And so I wonder if some of these you know he for example supported a uh, non discrimination LGBT bill. Uh, uh, for contractors, he uh, uh, fought against uh, a referendum making English the uh, that would have made English the official language of Nashville. Some of those play really well here in Nashville. I wonder though whether those causes are going to really play well statewide. Do you think that he compartmentalizes those and say, "Hey, I'm I'm not looking to a statewide policy on that issue." So if they if the Republicans try and attack him and say this about the LGBT issue, he may say, "I thought that as the mayor of Nashville, I I you know, don't want to take a position uh, as the statewide, you know, uh, gubernatorial." Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to defend what he you know, I think so the right things he did as mayor, but but yeah, I mean, he's going to say, "You know, that's I don't plan on legislating about some of these 
social issues. And again, maybe some of these things won't come into a, uh, come into a tax, but we'll see. I mean, right now in the statement that, that came out, they focus on the debt load that increased under Dean's watch as, as uh, mayor and also the property tax that in 2012 he pushed uh, here in Nashville. Well, and we already saw Dean compartmentalize when he ran in the primary, right? Like that, he talked about charter schools. Craig Fitzhugh, is, that was something they expected to, to hit him on. He said, you know, that was something that we thought was right at the time in Nashville. I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to be right for the state. We'll have to see once once we get there. I think that speaks to his pragmatic side and also that car, uh, compartmentalizing. I think it's really interesting, this idea of getting attacked as an insider. The Republicans might have to thread the needle here because Marsha Blackburn is the consummate insider. <laughs> yeah, I, she's been in D.C. for, what, two decades? She's, I mean, she's avoided that label. And, but she's been, in, she's been in state and national politics for a really long time. Whereas, I mean, Phil Bredesen obviously was the, the governor of Tennessee, but he's been out of politics. For, for the better part of the last eight or so years, right? So it's it's going to be interesting to see if Bill Lee runs on this outsider campaign and then go is in campaigns with Marsha Blackburn. I mean, she was already at his victory night speech. She was there with him at the unity rally. Clearly, she wants to campaign with him. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. And the, and the other thing we kind of explored in this story is whether Dean can get a boost just by virtue of being on the same ticket with Phil Bredesen, who is, uh, you know, in a, in a hard campaign, close campaign right now against... Uh, Marsha Blackburn, you know, there's there's conventional wisdom suggests that that could help drive uh, voter turnout in some Democratic strongholds. And then, you know, we looked at the idea of whether, you know, if Bredesen is able to pick up some Republican voters, could Dean, by just having having similar, you know, biographies as Bredesen and also being on the ticket? I think there's a, a sort of a split opinion on whether that's going to happen. But I think what Dean's folks will tell you is, you know, for the first time, Democrats heading into November has has a real, quote, coordinated campaign among multiple offices um, uh, for the first time since 20, uh, 2006, when Bredesen and Harold Ford Jr. were on the t- ticket for Democrats. Well, thank you for joining us today, Joey. Uh, if For those of you who haven't checked it out, Joey and Dave Boucher with a, uh, a look back and a look forward at how the governor's race is going to play out versus uh, Carl Dean versus um, uh, <laughs> Bill Lee. Sorry, I almost had a, a moment there. That's all right. That's all right. You've had <laughs> a long, 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 long candidates, candidate. man. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> also, you should go check out, Joey has a really interesting story about uh, the Phil Bredesen campaign came out with a new campaign ad that uses the voices of Tennessee Republicans talking about how great Phil Bredesen is and how great he was as, as a governor. It clearly speaks in his role as being a, a pragmatist and, and saying, you know, Republicans like me, Democrats like me, you should vote for me too. And, and that that's clearly going to be his strategy throughout the campaign here. Yeah, right now it's just a 60-second digital ad, so you can maybe see it if you're on Twitter or Facebook whatnot. I'd be shocked if it doesn't turn into a 30-second TV ad here in the coming weeks. You got Bob Corker, who made comments in April that immediately ticked off a lot of Republicans, calling Bredesen a, quote, a uh, good mayor, very good governor, very good business person. Others quoted in uh, were Chuck Fleischman, uh, Scotty Nell Hughes, former state rep uh, Deborah Maggart, and uh, Bill Phillips, Republicans consultant here from Nashville. And basically, all uh, of those people were quoted since Bredesen got on the race. Uh, uh, they were quoted speaking as panelists or what have you on these various TV shows where they were, I think, kind of discussing how Bredesen is a formidable candidate uh, in the process. Uh, you know, they said nice things, talked kind of about his cro- maybe crossover appeal for some Republican voters and talked up his, his record. And so the Bredesen campaign uh, took advantage of it. Um, immediately this morning, I got a 
statement from Chuck Fleischman, the representative over in East Tennessee, saying probably none too pleased. Yeah, uh, he, he said, well, he, you know, he was just clarifying. I, you know, I think he said uh, Phil Bratherson is quote wrong for Tennessee, and he wholeheartedly supports Blackburn. So uh, it's definitely been a talker of an ad, and you know, I think that uh, you know you can tell what the Bratherson campaign is, is trying to accomplish there. Governor Bill Haslam is always ready to offer a little bit of insight, a little bit of a political intrigue, and we had the chance to, to catch up with him also over the weekend to just kind of pick his brain a little bit about his thoughts on the Republican Party and the primary and, and how the candidates can unite moving forward. Okay. When Randy Boyd got in the race, he was largely seen as kind of a Haslam 2.0. He ran what seemed to be a little further to the right. I mean, do you think that if he had run as... Uh, you know, it's easy to say. I mean, it's easy to say. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. Who knows? I mean, the, the, our, our primary voters, you know, Obviously, we're expressing preferences, but I, it's it's just it's too easy to, to evaluate a campaign going backwards. Do you think this is validation for positive campaigning? Bill, well, didn't. I, you know, again, uh, well, I'll let all the campaign pros decide on that. Why do you think Bill Lee won? I think people just liked Bill. I mean, at the end of the day, people... I think decided they just liked him. I mean, I talked to a lot of people who just said, I just, I've, I've been watching this all for a month intensely, and he's the guy that I, that I just like. If you are still interested in a diagnosis of what happened in the Republican primary, specifically how Randy Boyd and Diane Black lost, uh, Joel takes kind of a deep dive into their campaigns, talk to some political operatives about their thoughts. What, what was some of the feedback that you received? Uh, I mean, essentially, uh, one Republican told me it was the exact uh, kind of blueprint to on how to not run an election. Um, another Republican said that this was uh, possibly the worst, or actually not possibly, they said it was the worst Republican uh, gubernatorial campaign in state history. And that was so, for Diane Black, yeah, right? That yeah. she just kind of, I think they said, what did they say, clutch defeat out of the jaws yeah, of victory? It, I mean, yeah, essentially, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, we saw other criticism of Boyd that uh, he ran too far uh, to the right when he was largely seen as sort of a moderate. So uh, it, it gives you a view of some of the critical uh, insights for that some Republicans had of both campaigns. As we've discussed before, you know, there were some negative ads between the two and, and Billy found a way to kind of slide in as the guy that, that wasn't, you know, in, in the sparring. Haven't seen a ton of negative ads back and forth on the Senate side yet. There is a new ad from Marsha Blackburn kind of introducing herself. It's the, you know, it's some of her first ads on TV, just kind of the here's who I am. Here's why you should vote for me sort of ad. It seems pretty standard at this point in the race, right? It is. Yeah, it's straightforward. It, reintroduction to voters. Uh, Blackburn took a different approach than Bredesen, who had been reintroducing himself since March, I believe, is when his first ad came out. Um, and and I would anticipate from now through uh, November, we're going to see just a flurry of ads really kind of building up in, in the weeks uh, that follow. Um, and we're going to also see outside interest groups weigh in pretty quickly, I imagine, um, just saying whether one good one candidate's good, the other one's bad. Sure. We, we get statements all the time from people that are attacking both of the candidates. The NRSC, I think, National Republican Senatorial Committee campaign, sends us emails, if not daily, every other day, 
going after after Phil Bredesen. and that's only going to increase in the in the coming weeks. So get excited to see that on your TV. If you haven't seen enough political ads, it's it's just uh, you know going to get a lot worse. Are right around the corner. <laughs> it's very soon. They are coming up. We're also you know getting ready from a from a coverage standpoint. Joel, just give us a little preview of what you're gonna what readers will see from the Tennessee and the USA Today Network. So this week uh, on the campaign side, at least on the governor's race, we're kind of hitting a little reset button. We're going to look back uh, at some of the folks that were helping out Bill Lee's campaign. Uh, we're also going to really try and get with the candidates for, for uh, Senate. So we plan on being in the field with Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen to do kind of your, you know, on the ground experience, the view from the campaign trail. Uh, we, we plan to do that in the coming weeks, weeks hopefully to run a story uh, at the beginning of next month. We're going to start launching into issues as well as, uh, uh, you know, policy positions. So we, we plan on, on having robust coverage for both races. So stay tuned to our website and our, our papers throughout the USA Today Network. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you as well. If you have an idea for a story or if, or if you want to hear the candidates weigh in on a particular policy position, feel free to call us, email us, tweet at us using the hashtag Grand Divisions. Uh, we'll, we'll do as many of those stories as we can and, and try to share as many of those stories as we can. Uh, we would love if you continue to rate us and review us on iTunes or anywhere else that you're listening to the podcast. It really helps other people find us. Uh, again, thanks so much for joining us on this week's edition of the podcast. I'm Dave Boucher, investigative reporter. And I'm Joel Ebert, political reporter. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more action coming up with debates, forums, and all that other fun stuff. Get excited. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.